Welcome to the Payments Journal Podcast, and here is your host, Ryan Mack. Welcome to the Payments Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Mack. Now, over the past few years, artificial intelligence has become more of a key component to specific use cases within the payments industry. And it seems that with each passing month, AI is being implemented into new business cases for the payments ecosystem. So as artificial intelligence continues to be woven into the very fabric of the industry, ecosystem players need to ask themselves what their AI business plan is. Now, this question leads to multiple other questions. And to help unpack and address some of these questions, I am joined by Sadhir Jaha, who is the Senior Vice President and Head of Brighterian, and Tim Sloan, who is the VP of Payments Innovation at Mercator Advisor Group. So there's certainly a lot of data and insights to unpack on today's episode. So without any further delays, let's start the show. So Sadhir and Tim, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. And I'm really excited about today's episode because we're going to be taking kind of a deeper dive into uh, unpacking a little bit kind of of how the industry itself obviously has changed since COVID. But what are kind of some of the new requirements that financial institutions should really be taking a look at as we kind of, you know, venture into this new normal, so to speak? Um, So Sadhir, I want to start with you uh, and kind of talk about, uh, you know, how the pandemic has really highlighted the need for smarter uh, AI-based banking technology tools. Uh, uh, Thanks, Ryan. Um, So in my mind, there are two fundamentally big changes that that happened um, during the pandemic. One um, uh, is that uh, we, of course, um, had this constantly changing environment. Um, Every week, every month, there were different uh, ways that that we were trying to react to the pandemic uh, and how it would impact the society and all that stuff. Um, and the second thing that happened is because of um, limited sort of uh, people-to-people interaction, um, many of the, the companies had to pivot and get into sort of more digital um, uh, transformation in a much faster way. They always were trying to do that before pandemic. Uh, but but during the pandemic and, and, and in my mind post-pandemic, there is going to be uh, increased sort of ways for people to connect digitally as opposed to physically. Um, and in both cases, um, AI is the right tool in my mind to help both in terms of uh, the digital transformation, but also in terms of the changing condition and how to adapt that. Um, and the way that I, I look at it is, is that when you are trying to uh, provide the same kind of experience that you were able to do in physical space, you are trying to do that in digital space, you need AI to really capture the, the, the essence of the interaction and personalize that interaction for the, the, the customer that you're interacting with. Um, and AI is able to do that. It, it's able to sort of ingest all these data in real time and is able to sort of mimic uh, how a human being is going to react to certain situations and, and able to sort of provide the interaction as close to, to a physical interaction as, as you, you could possibly. Um, and it is also able to very quickly adapt to changing conditions. Um, as more and more data is being fed into the system, um, it is able to sort of predict the, the next behavior. Uh, is it able to to also uh, predict sort of how the all the different changes that are happening, not just with a particular customer, but, but in the entire ecosystem, um, and able to take all that information and provide much smarter, faster uh, tools that that uh, a bank can, can use. So, um, that's how I see the, the change that happened uh, during the pandemic, but also many of these are going to be permanent uh, changes uh, because the consumer has gotten used to some of these digital interaction and they are going to continue doing that in the post-pandemic world as well. Sudhir, I 
totally agree that those are significant changes and that they're, they're going to continue. Uh, consumers are moving online faster and faster. I'd, I'd add perhaps one additional change the pandemic has driven, which is coordinated criminal activity that's basically made a business out of creating new attacks and exploiting those attacks that are effective at scale. They hire gig workers to help execute attacks. Um, they're really going at this in a big way, and they have more consumer personal information than they've ever had before to help them impersonate the real account holder. So AI is a really critical component to be able to lock that down. Absolutely, Tim. And I think that's, again, yeah, uh, criminals definitely have uh, sort of same tools available that that um, enterprises have, and, and they always use it for uh, nefarious purposes, and, and AI can certainly help with that. Um, uh, both sort of figuring out uh, in a digital space where you don't have necessarily the physical interaction to, to ascertain the, the validity of a person, authentication of a person, um, how do you do that in the in the, in the uh, sort of uh, non-physical uh, interactions? And that's uh, very critical and, and absolutely agree with you, Tim, on that. You know, you, you identified the ability to collect more data and analyze that data. And the good guys, at least, are more likely to have a significant amount of data about the um, individual than the criminals. The criminals have access to more data than usual because of all the breaches, but still the financial institutions have far more. And so have a, are better armed, if you will, if they have the right AI tools to be able to defend themselves. Absolutely. Yeah, because I think kind of jumping on to Tim, what, what you had kind of said there in terms of just that, yes, that you do have fraudsters that have access to data um, that can certainly go ahead and try to mimic. But a, as you pointed out, though, that financial institutions that use, um, you know, sophisticated AI technology tools, especially for fraud mitigation, are going to have a lot more good data that goes through that better creates a better AI model that says, hey, here is what a good consumer typically looks like uh, for that. And they're going to have a lot more data and information flowing through those systems and therefore making a better model um, of that. But within that that fraud mitigation realm here, um, Sadir, I, I want to kick it over to you because I, I'm kind of curious because as we start to kind of take a look at, say, just credit risk in particular, um, because we're, we're starting to see obviously that COVID-19 uh, really played a catalyst for more and more individuals to participate in e-commerce. And that kind of became uh, or is becoming kind of the more new normal as, you know, individuals are kind of either staying away from in-store um, purchases uh, and moving to online. But from your perspective, what are some of the ways that AI can better detect uh, ri uh, credit risk over the methods that have been traditionally used by FIs to do so? Um, absolutely. So um, when I think about AI, I, I think about scale uh, in invariably, and, and that's something that that really um, drives fundamentally the differentiations that AI can provide. Um, and, and so uh, think about, like, if you have a small number of data elements and you have a, a, a very sort of fixed outcome that you're trying to optimize, uh, and if you have not very changing conditions and stuff like that, um, it's not very hard to create some simple rules or even sort of a human being can can digest all the information and can create some of those optimal scenarios very very easily. Um, but what happens when you when you actually have exploding amounts of data? Right? We just talked about how more and more data is available. 
Um, and if you really want to to compete in this this environment, you actually have to uh, process all the data. You, you you have to collect and process all, all of that information that you can collect. Um, that's when you kind of run into issues. So so um, the vast amount of data that 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 um, is available. Uh, and it's going to be increasingly become available uh, in different parts of the financial uh, institution. So uh, a customer can interact with multiple channels and you want to collect all the data in all these different channels and, and integrate that together. Um, AI can do that much better in a much better way to, to digest all the information. Um, and then um, you also want to create a lot more um, signals and features from that data. Um, again, that, that's something like it, it, a rules-based system or an old sort of uh, credit risk models um, could only grab a few of those signals and not 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 the vast amount of them, uh, because again, um, you 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 have sort of limited capability uh, of 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 what you can do before. Um, uh, with AI, you can you can um, in many cases create features. By combining data in a, in a very interesting ways um, and, and and in exponential ways uh, that that you can do that, um, so 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 that's another sort of um, advantage of AI. But then what is even more important, and I, we just uh, touched upon, is things change really really quickly. Um, uh, and and pandemic of course accelerated a lot of those changes as well. But but in general, technology has been changing things quite um, rapidly. Um, and, and consumer behavior is adapting to that, those changes rapidly as well. And so your, your model, your, your credit models and other sort of, uh, signals that you're capturing also has to adapt to very quickly to those things. Um, and traditional sort of, uh, credit risk models, um, were built to last, right? You, you would build a model and then for the next two, three, four years, you're kind of using the same model with very minimal changes. Uh, it's not, going to be very very easy to use those kind of things in, in this environment um, and then um, on top of that in, in many cases you're trying to now optimize many different outcomes uh, some people might want or in some cases you're optimizing the uh, the default rate sometimes you're optimizing uh, the profitability per customer sometimes you're optimizing um, do you want to increase credit limits for certain individuals and so there are very different sort of things that you want to optimize um, and so the models have to be uh, very good at changing um, and, and, and optimizing for those outcomes. Um, so all these sort of four different areas in terms of vast amount of data, many different signals that you can, can collect, um, how you adapt to changes, and how do you optimize to, to many different outcomes, um, each of these AI can do a much better job than traditional sort of credit risk models um, that were good um, for for the period that they were in, um, and quite sophisticated. Uh, in fact, even even um, uh, for 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 the, those times, um, mm. they're not simply able to cope up with the new, new environment that we have now. So, <laughs> totally agree. And as as you look at the challenges associated with getting the right uh, features and selecting the features that are going to help you. Uh, come to the outcome you're trying to um, achieve, that's a trick all in itself. And then even perhaps equally important is being able to collect the data elements that are going to be able to drive those features most effectively. So understanding what data streams was, is available within the institution is critical to being able to 
help this model adjust and find the, the right credit scores. It's, it's interesting, we see that access to data is often such a critical component that you have things like e-commerce fraud detection platforms that are creating networks of their solutions across multiple merchants to be able to bring data in from multiple endpoints to be able to make it predictive and then inoculate everybody within the network uh, in close to real time. And looking at the credit risk, well, it's just a matter of where do you get the data that you really need to be able to do the best job possible. Exactly. In fact, uh, Tim, uh, you, you highlight a very important point. Um, what AI also does much better than than, than the traditional um, uh, models or, or sort of rules-based systems is the ability to learn from other people's data, even competition's data, without transferring the data itself, right? So you you can you can transfer the learning uh, from from different data sets, um, and therefore not necessarily have to um, to share data, which is often almost impossible between between competitions. Um, but for fraud, for example, right? I mean, it's 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 of everybody's interest to to be able to share learnings so that they can all defeat fraud. But at the same time, they don't want to reveal data about the, their own customers. Um, and AI can do that much better uh, than than a rules-based system, which 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 is very hard to do um, in, in a transfer learning kind of a way. Absolutely, that's that's very cutting edge too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and now, I, you know, we're kind of obviously we're talking about some of the features here uh, for and so one of the features that I've got to ask, which I think is is certainly kind of, um, you know, the, the bane of a lot of like consumers um, side of things, especially when it comes to credit um, in particular, but certainly can be a huge benefit to everybody in the payments ecosystem. So maybe let's kind of unpack um, Sadir from from your point of view, how AI can really be used to minimize late payments or even prevent them altogether. Yeah, so one of the big uh, uh, focus that that our solution has is on customer experience, right? And so we we kind of think of credit risk management across the entire life cycle of of of, of consumer, uh, from origination to credit management to delinquency to collection, and in each area, um, it's it's not just to identify sort of bad consumer, the consumer that actually is going to default, but really uh, understanding how we can enhance the customer experience in the entire journey. Um, and, and so how do we make sure that uh, the bank knows how much credit to, to give to a particular customer, uh, what's the right credit um, uh, sort of profile that matches uh, for, for that particular customer, um, and then at what time um, the customer needs more credit or less credit um, that and what is justifiable from that perspective. Um, and, and then predicting delinquency early, right? So, so our focus is not just, um, uh, saying that, that somebody is going to be delinquent, um, sort of very near to the delinquency itself or, 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 or even post that. But, um, we try to capture delinquency, um, in most of our customer, um, majority of the delinquency prediction 70 day in advance. Um, and that gives you plenty of time to then work out with the customer. A, a kind of an action plan that allows them to uh, make different kind of payment, create some installment stuff, um, and therefore uh, work with the customer to not get to a default situation, uh, to not get to a late payment situation. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, so AI itself uh, may not be able to eliminate uh, default or eliminate uh, late payments, 
but it can actually provide the tools to both the consumer and to the banks to be able to sort of come to a situation where um, you can be a much more proactive about these things and therefore um, work out a situation that that allows the customer to be happy and the banks to be happy because they minimize the losses uh, from these uh, situations. That's an awesome solution. Probably another great example of where the having access to the right data is critical. You know, monitoring just debit or credit transactions is probably insufficient for that type of detection. But as yes. bill pay online account behavior and other aspects, and it sounds like you're getting the features and signals that are predictive to this. That's awesome. Absolutely, yeah, and, and and again, that's the, the the pivot towards customer experience is is, is very critical because oftentimes um, credit risk is always used for loss mitigation, and and what we are emphasizing is that this is not just loss mitigation. You're not just trying to prevent uh, defaults. Let's let's try and use this effectively, and and exactly your point, like the more data we can have, the better predictions we can make. Uh, but but how do we make the changes so that at every um, interaction level, you're trying to to provide the best experience and the most uh, amount of help that the customer needs. And obviously, working on this, the experience then enables you to go to the next client, and you already understand which data streams give you the most predictive outcomes so you can help them implement this much faster. Yes. Yeah, and one of the words that I really like that you used here there was the proactive nature of it. Because as a consumer, one of the things that I particularly look for with a financial institution is that I don't want to kind of be looking at things in the rearview mirror here. I want my financial institution to kind of, you know, to reach out to me and kind of say, hey, look, here are some things that we're seeing or here are some things on the fraud aspect. Or as you pointed out, you know, if it comes to that particular case of like, hey, you know, you're you're not in delinquency yet, uh, but, you know, here are some things that we might be able to do to help you or come up with a plan so that way then we can avoid that situation for it. It's like those are the little things from financial institutions that I particularly really value as a consumer um, for because it really allows me to then put more trust into that financial institution. Um, But one of the things I think is kind of interesting around AI and kind of the the some of the a little bit of the mindset that I think some organizations have around it is that they kind of look at AI as kind of like oh it's this scary black box that data goes in and we we don't fully quite understand and comprehend it so perhaps that here maybe you could kind of debunk some of the myths surrounding AI systems that cause AIs to be, uh, FIs to be a little bit hesitant when considering the adoption of an AI system. Absolutely. So, so let, let's start with the, the the one that you you mentioned, the the AI being a black box, right? Um, so, so, so there there are definitely things that AI does that seems magical. Uh, but one of the things that that Mastercard um, and 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 Brighter in particular within Mastercard has emphasized that almost every model that we build, um, we always think of explainability as as as, as our goal. Um, which means that every every outcome, every um, uh, signal that we produce, every every um, uh, recommendations that we 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 give to uh, from the model, um, we want to make sure that we can provide a region code for it. Um, and so so um, it is it is not black box in in the sense that you know exactly why a particular score was high or low because we will tell you the three things that actually led to that score being high. Um, so, so, so there are definitely um, uh, more and more research that is happening in that, and 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 more and more sophisticated AI algorithms um, are are 
now able to to be explained uh, more. Um, there are still certain uh, sort of deep learning kind of uh, uh, algorithms that that make it harder. Uh, but our endeavor always is to use only the algorithms um, that can be explained. Uh, because in, in FI's case, um, in, in almost all um, application, there is a heavy regulation that, that, that comes with that. And, and, and making sure that we can provide a, a, a very good explanation of all the things that uh, our model is predicting uh, is, is critical for adoption. Um, so so that's, that's something that, that we, uh, at least in our case, we are very, very particular about. Um, the other myths are, 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 and some of them have been sort of debunked over time. Um, but so one thing is is still like it's too expensive and 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 um, you need sort of an army of data scientists to to really implement AI solutions. Um, and I think that um, uh, it, it definitely used to be true that that it, uh, it, the most AI solutions were uh, very hard to optimize and 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 you needed a lot of interactions with data scientists and machine learning uh, uh, engineers to to really do something there. Uh, but we have uh, overcome that. Uh, with many different platforms that are available today, uh, solutions that are um, almost ready to be implemented with a very, with a very small changes. Um, and and one of the things that we do in our case is um, we can build these custom models uh, for our customers using uh, uh, our platform uh, in a very small time. Like uh, our um, eight to twelve weeks program can can pr- produce a model and show you very clear ROI. Um, for the models, um, and therefore you know exactly what you're you're getting into, um, which is another myth that that people had is like the ROI is not there. Uh, we, you can do most of the things with with older techniques, and, and AI, uh, AI models really do not provide any um, significant uh, uplift. And and again, our approach has been that we will show you exactly the ROI that you'll get with these custom models before we implement the full solutions at, at, at your at your place. Um, and the last thing I'll, I'll talk about is, and this is something that we heard quite a bit with, during the pandemic days, is because people think that, um, and, and to some extent it's true, that AI uses historical data to predict uh, future results, um, that it would take very um, uh, long time for AI models to change. Um, and so um, in, during the pandemic days, we would get asked this all the time, um, how quickly you can adapt because things are changing and, and all the data elements that were uh, from before. For example, uh, when when uh, most institutions gave three to six months of of sort of no payment necessary, um, all the payment history um, that could be used for credit risk prediction uh, couldn't be used. And so the 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 models had to react to some of those situations much more quickly. And again. Um, sophisticated models can do that much more. We we use uh, ensemble models, so there are many different uh, models that come together to to create the results. Um, we also use many different data sources. We we also use uh, a lot of real time velocity signals, um, and many of those can very quickly adapt. So so we were able to show that it, with at least with our approach, we are able to adapt very quickly. So all those myths about being expensive, not ready to change easily. Um, uh, being a black box, while there is some element of truth to that, I mean, most myths come from that. Um, I think that there are very good solutions to debunk them as well. All of that's true. I, I, I think the other aspect to this is the technology continues to evolve at a rapid pace. You talked about that ability to be able to take the learnings from a model that might be implemented in a mobile handset and 
keep the data in the mobile handset and just bring the learnings of the model up into the centralized source. Um, that only, I think that research paper was a year and a half ago or so, and it's already now in implementation. So we also see that what might be a legitimate problem today may not be a legitimate problem in two months, six months down the road. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I've heard a lot of those uh, similar issues and clearly you guys have got the experience to be able to move past them. Yeah, excellent. So I think we'll we'll wrap it up there. So said here, Tim. Thank you so much for taking the time today for talking to me about AI based uh, banking tools and an AI business plan. And I hope to have you both back on the podcast real soon. Thank you. Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for including me.